Hello, I'm Jesse Wolds from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church. We're a church seeking to make disciple-making disciples of Jesus. Thank you to Life FM for continuing to host us. Today, as we look to God's Word, our reading is Matthew 20, verses 1 to 16. So you can begin looking that up now. While you're getting that ready, I'll pray, asking God to bless us as we read and consider His Word, read the passage, and then we'll go to the sermon. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, that your word gives light where there is darkness. We pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see, that we would know you better. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's read Matthew 20, verses 1 to 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire labourers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the labourers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing, and he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the labourers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last, up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. Today is an exciting day for a lot of people. Baptisms are always exciting. It's exciting for Emily and Levi. They've brought Chad and Mav to be baptised and made vows. Vows to raise them in the fear and knowledge of the Lord, to teach them from the Bible about trusting in Jesus, to set a godly example. It's exciting for their families to observe. It's exciting for the rest of us in the church, as we also vow to uphold Levi, Emily and their children in prayer. But there are at least two people who aren't excited by today. They won't look back on it with fond memories. There'll be no sense of achievement as they learn later in life they've been baptised. There was no test to study for, no promises they had to make. They couldn't even get themselves dressed and come to church without Levi and Emily doing it for them. In baptism they, like the rest of us who've been baptised, were completely passive. They've made no promises in baptism. Baptism isn't even a symbol of Levi and Emily's promises, as important as they are. No, in baptism, there's one active participant, the triune God. 
He's the one making promises in baptism. That if we place our trust in Jesus, we'll be washed clean of our sin. Baptism is a sign and seal of God's surprising and unexpected generosity to us. And Jesus told this parable to highlight God's generosity. While we're looking over our shoulders and comparing ourselves to others, Jesus says everything we have is from him. And he urges us, delight in God's generosity. Don't begrudge it. Delight in God's generosity. Let's explore the story Jesus told and see the first section where Jesus introduces the characters and situation. Let's look at verses 1 to 7. Hiring labourers. Look at those first words of verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like. This isn't a story to entertain. It's a story to help his listeners understand. As we read Matthew's gospel, the kingdom of heaven keeps coming up. Jesus keeps explaining a different facet of what it's like. But he's not randomly jumping into storytelling. No, something's prompted the story. Just before Jesus tells this story, we're told of a rich young man. He knows he's missing something. He wants eternal life. He knows he needs to do more, even though he's proudly confident he's kept the commandments. Jesus tells him to sell everything and follow him, but he can't do it. He's rich and he loves his wealth more than Jesus. But Peter says, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus says they'll sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, and that everyone who follows him will receive blessings and eternal life. And then he introduces us to this master of a house with a vineyard he wants harvested. And this is no city boy with a small patch of garden, a few grapevines to make homebrew. When we get round to it, Beck and I would love to have a few veggie patches in the backyard. We have a lemon tree, we're growing some strawberries, but it's nothing to brag about. And even if we were to fill our small backyard with vegetables and fruits, we wouldn't need to hire anyone to spend all day harvesting for us. This man has a large property. He goes out early in the morning to find some labourers, And he finds multiple and hires them, agreeing them to pay a denarius for the day. That was the standard day wage for a labourer at the time, and so off they go. But this man wants more labourers and goes out at the third hour. Back then, when they didn't have watches to accurately measure the time, it was fairly rough. They divided a time of daylight into 12 hours which would be longer or shorter depending on the time of year, and they divide the night into four watches. Verse 3, And going out about the third hour, it's about 9am, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. There's no haggling by the labourers, but you can imagine what they'd be thinking. A denarius is the normal wage for a day, so I'll get the right proportion of that for how much I work. And off they go to the field. But the owner isn't done. In verse 5, he goes out again at the sixth hour and the ninth hour, noon and 3pm. He wants as many labourers as possible to get this work done. 
And it's here in verse 6, we really start to scratch our heads. He goes out at the 11th hour. There's one hour left of work. It's not worth it. What can these people contribute? Jesus doesn't tell us why no one's hired them or how the man missed them the four other times he went to the market. He doesn't bother justifying all the details because that's not the point of telling the story. But the man says, verse 7, You go into the vineyard too. Up to now, Jesus has been setting up the situation. But the next section digs the knife in. We've seen a man hiring labourers. Now, in verses 8 to 15, our second heading, we see complaining about wages. Years ago in Geelong, I worked in the accounts department of a building company. Every week I was given everyone's timesheet and I'd key into the computer how many hours people had worked and arrange the bank transfer. These days, people are usually paid weekly, maybe fortnightly. But in first century Israel, workers were paid daily. This was the law that God gave to Moses. Deuteronomy 24.15 says, You shall give him his wages on the same day, before the sun sets, for he is poor and counts on it, lest he cry against you to the Lord, and you be guilty of sin. Verse 8. And when the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the labourers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And here comes the shocking part of the story. Look at verse 9. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. They'd been working an hour and they got a full day's wage. They weren't expecting that. The owner was incredibly generous. Have you ever been on the receiving end of incredible generosity? When you've had someone over for dinner, maybe they'll bring drinks, a dessert, or they might bring a box of favourites because that's what you bring when you're told not to bring a thing. But you don't expect your guest to give you a gift certificate for a night at a fancy hotel in Melbourne. That's over-the-top generosity. A denarius for one hour's work is way over-the-top. But now the first lot of labourers are excited. Verse 10, Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And so they grumble and complain. They deserve more. At the very least, the people who worked one hour shouldn't have gotten the same as them. They worked hard all day in the heat. But, verse 12, You have made them equal to us. And how does the owner of the field answer? Not like a Jewish proverb did. The story goes that a king hired workmen for his vineyard and decided to spend the day with the most skilled, talking with him. Even though this labourer was away from the work most of the day, talking with the king, he was paid the same. And when the others complained, the king said that in his two hours of working, he did more good work than they did when working all day. We'd understand that reasoning, but that's not how this owner explains it. He says in verse 13, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? 
There's no deserving for these 11th hour workers. Nothing in them to justify or explain this incredible payment. And it's nothing against those who worked longer and harder. He gave them what was agreed. And now he's decided to be generous with others. He's allowed to do that. It's his money. They have no right to begrudge him as if they deserve more than they got. In complaining about their wages, they're complaining about how this owner used his own money. What does Jesus want us to do with this parable? He wants us to delight in God's generosity. That's our final heading as we strive to understand verse 16. Verse 16 says, So the last will be first, and the first last. And he said the same thing the verse before this parable. Chapter 19, verse 30, But many who are first will be last, and the last first. That's the key. Remember what sparked this parable in the first place. We had the rich man walk away sad, unwilling to follow Jesus, and then Peter pointing out that they'd left everything to follow Jesus. Now this parable could be applied to Israel. As Gentiles were allowed into God's people, Jewish Christians were upset. They'd forgotten everything that they had was from God's generosity, even their family heritage. They had no right to look down on others. But more directly in Jesus' gaze, as he tells this story, is Peter and the disciples. Peter just asked in chapter 19, verse 27, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? In other words, what reward will they receive for following Jesus? And there is a special honour they'll receive. But this parable says that everything they have is by grace. They haven't earned it. They're not rewarded because of their sinless perfection. They're rewarded because of God's generosity. There's no pride allowed here. That doesn't mean heaven is a communistic paradise, with everyone having exactly the same. We should read this parable in the light of other teaching, like the parables of the talents and the minas, where different rewards are given. But what's Jesus stressing here? That there's no room for pride in his kingdom. Everything we have is given by grace. Why will God let you into heaven? There are lots of answers people give to that question. Would your answer be that you've been coming to church your entire life? You won all the awards at Sunday school? Is it that you're a good person? You're kind. There's no one who could say a bad word against you. You've served the church in Sunday school or as an elder. Would your answer be that you've been baptized? Are you relying on that water which washed over you, like the water which washed over Chad and Maverick? None of those should be the reason you believe God will accept you into his kingdom. They're good things. But don't let your answer be anything other than God's grace. It's God's grace, his generosity, which is what purchased your place in his kingdom. And we see God's generosity in the next few verses, where Jesus predicts for the third time in Matthew that he was going to the cross. Like he said on the night he was betrayed, his blood was going to be poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Without this generous gift of Jesus' death, none of us could be part of the kingdom of heaven. 
We're all guilty, stained by sin. My brother used to work as an auto mechanic, and his hands were always stained with oil and grime. Some soaps did better than others, but even the best of them wouldn't fully take away the stain. There's only one thing that can take away the stain of your sin, and it's not the waters of baptism. It's what those waters represent. The saving work of God, uniting you to Jesus as the Spirit is given, and you trust in the blood of Jesus poured out for you. As that blood spiritually washes all your guilt, all your shame away. This is the gospel we so want Chad and Mav to believe as they grow, which Levi and Emily have promised to teach them. And if you haven't believed it, you can now. Kids, if you're not sure whether you've trusted in Jesus, you can do it right now. You could pray silently in your heart, telling God you believe and asking him to forgive you and make you his child. And when you do that, why not tell mum or dad so they can cuddle you and, and help you? If you're an adult, don't let this moment pass by without putting your trust in Jesus. Whether it's the third, sixth, ninth or eleventh hour for you, it's not too late. Trust him. Receive his forgiveness, won for you at the cross. And when you believe, there's no place either for feeling proud or inadequate. Because your being saved has nothing to do with your performance. It's all to do with God's generosity in sending Jesus. Whether you proudly look at your perfectly behaved child in church and compare her to others, or you with embarrassment compare your child to the perfect one, this parable tells you to stop. Whether your adult children are still in church or not, don't compare and feel proud or inadequate. Whether you see someone falling into sin you're not tempted by, or you're the one who keeps falling into that sin no one else seems to, delight in God's generosity. God's made a promise to Chad and Mav today, and it'll be Levi and Emily's job, and all of ours, to remind them of it. That if they trust in Jesus, he'll wash them of their sin. He'll be generous to them and accept them. And that same promise is made to all of us. It might seem like the eleventh hour for you, but if you haven't yet accepted his invitation, come you'll receive a reward far better than you can imagine. Come and delight in God's generosity. Jesus came to die for sinners. Accept that generosity now, as we pray Chad and Mav will as they grow. And let's pray. Our God in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you that by your word we have life. And we pray that as we consider this parable, as we consider the grace that you have shown to us, may we not rely on ourselves and our own behavior, uh, our own merits, but may we remember that we are saved by grace alone. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church. And I pray you've been blessed as you've spent this time in God's Word. Next week, we'd love to have you join us in person for our service at 10am. I hope to see you there. And as always, if you'd like to make a comment on what you've heard today, you have a question 
or you're looking for a church, then please get in contact with us. Our website is eaglehawkpc.org.au. You can also contact us through Facebook or Instagram. God bless you.